You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down, play fake to Thompson. And across the middle, and it's intercepted by Jabril Peppers. He will go to the end zone. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. How you doing, Grump? Happy uh, happy podcast day. We're uh, we're now firmly in the off season. You know, I was looking around Sunday, flipping channels, and I realized there's no football. So I'm still, my brain is still kind of conditioned to be looking around at 10 o'clock for some preview shows, and but. It is winter. There is no football, but we will still talk about football like there is football happening. Isn't the XFL draft supposed to be soon? <laughs> what is this, 2001? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I hadn't thought about it until just now when you said um, that there that there's no football on and like that's kind of the beauty of the XFL and the AAF and USFL and all these things these offshoot leagues is it it's something it, to watch there's there's another version of the xfl coming around yeah, well uh the rock bought it the rock bought in shares to keep it alive um and but i mean i think i have to start it from scratch then because all the teams disbanded probably or maybe maybe there's some capital injection there that that i don't know i'm not sure but i did in, in a quick google search in which i read nothing and just glanced over headlines i saw that 2021 is canceled, but it is on track to be 2022. So, sorry, no football this year. So, in other words, I'm not really holding my breath. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gotcha. But, anyway, we did get other good news. Um, New Jersey and New York have been some of the more some of the more strict COVID policy uh, states in the union, uh, more so than others. There have been you know, no attendance at big events here since March, right? I don't think I don't think anything in like April um, since March. And uh, today, the day we're recording this Monday, was announced that fifteen uh, percent capacity, I think, for big events is is a go. Which you know, so now fingers are crossed that 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 percentage increases by September. You know, as you know, the vaccination rolls out, you know, and, and things of that nature. And hopefully, hopefully the more important thing is that the, the COVID numbers continue to decline, decrease uh, over time. And we can kind of get closer to life as it was. I agree. I think the biggest thing was just actually pulling the trigger and starting. Because mm-hmm. I think once you start with saying, whether it's 10%, 25%, whatever, once you do that, that's the hardest hurdle, and you can start increasing, like the restaurants. The hardest thing was getting these restaurants back open. I, I know 25% is you know, still suboptimal, but very quickly it's being ramped up to 35% here in the city as well. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, actually, I want to give you know, our Just Giants listeners a little bit of a tip about getting the vaccination. And we're not going to publicize this on Twitter or, or anything on social media, but you know how you get your vaccination? And this is how I got mine. You go, if you're a resident of New York City or New York State, you go to a, a vaccination clinic or wherever they're administering it, and you ask to get on their standby list. 
They're not publicized. They're not advertised. They're not anything. But what happens is people have different uh, appointments for their vaccination, and not everybody goes. They cancel. And when they cancel them, you know, remember, you're not supposed to go to the, the site unless you have an appointment. So what they do is they have a standby list, and they'll call you. And they'll say, can you get down here in 15 minutes or 20 minutes? And you say, hell yeah. And you jump in an Uber, you get there, and you basically jump the line. And that's how I got mine. And they automatically set up your appointment for a month to the date after your first one. So a little secret out there for all our you know, Just Giants podcast listeners. If you need a vaccine, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's And this is this – is... This is a secret that is just for you actual listeners and not just followers on Twitter or anything. That's like that. right. It, we'll, all, you know, we'll find out which one of you, which ones of you listen to these shows of, when when you come back vaccinated in, in a couple of weeks. And I'll tell you what, if anybody who does go and gets on the wait on the standby list and does get called and gets their vaccine, let us know. Yeah. Because you know give, give them promo code just giants. <laughs> Exactly. Not only do we want to have the smartest fan base in the NFL, we want to have the safest fan base too. But no, I thought that was something I wanted to share that, uh, again, nobody, it's very, very frustrating trying to get a um, an appointment here in the city in the state of New York. I know Grump is in New Jersey where anything goes, but here it is very difficult and I uh, wanted to share that with you guys. So yeah, there you go. That, that's awesome stuff. Um, you know – in New Jersey, we've also, uh, as of this morning, legalized pot. So if this is the start <laughs> of this podcast going off the rails, we can mark this day in history. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, for real, this this is great news. Um, hopefully we will see some of you guys at games next year somewhere, maybe six feet apart, maybe three feet apart. Maybe ten feet apart. Who the hell knows? But you know, being able to wave to you guys and and have a conversation not through a keyboard would be awesome. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So that's excellent, excellent, excellent news. Uh, especially since I was looking forward to doing some traveling for road games this year. I plan on you know if this all works out and we can actually go to games, and then you know they open up more tickets for you know, it's a fantastic schedule if you like to go to games i mean we're going to we're going to la we're going to tampa we're going there's a whole bunch of places where else are we going we're going to new orleans i mean those are these are first tier places we want to go to i mean these are places you want to go to anyway exactly throw in a giant game hell yeah yeah exactly um but yeah so this is all really great news but you know we're going to kind of run into our our draft and free agent off-season breakdown by position episodes. So this is our first one. So we're, I'm just going to give you kind of the overview of how these are going to be set up over the coming weeks and, and how, how all this is going to work out. Basically, we're going to go over, again, the current situation at a specific position group. We're going to do two positions per week, one offense, one defense. Um, we're going to go over the, cur- the current situation there, including players and their contracts and when their contracts expire. And then go over free agent solutions to address any weaknesses or strengths or whatever and draft solutions. Now, we're going to start off a little bit easy because we're going to start with quarterback and there isn't really a draft solution for that. So let's dive right into 
our current quarterback situation. Uh, right now, uh, in Penn, you can say Daniel Jones is a starter. Whether or not he is the franchise quarterback, the quarterback of the future, is irrelevant. He is the quarterback until the end of his rookie contract, unless next year is a complete and utter disaster squarely on his shoulders. So, going into this year... We have Daniel Jones, who is making $7 million. Very, 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 very cheap for a quarterback. Um, And he is currently backed up by Joe Webb making sub $1 million and Clayton Thorson also making sub $1 million. Um, There's a a hole there, right? What are we missing? We're missing a backup quarterback. We're missing a backup quarterback. And a guy like Daniel Jones needs a real veteran backup quarterback that knows what he's doing and can run a similar offense. Um, you know, we've uh, we've given we've given him Jones. We've given him all the leash possible his first two years. You know, all the things that have gone on, and uh, we've kind of said, okay, well, you know, there's this excuse, this excuse, this excuse, but you know something. 2021, we really have to start really assessing him for what he is. Sure. You know, he's had two head coaches. He's had three offensive coordinators. He had a COVID offseason. He got thrown into the fire as a, as a, as a rookie. He, you know, he's, uh, doesn't have weapons on the outside, you know, a, a true number one go-to guy. He has an inconsistent tight end. He hasn't had his franchise running back. He's had an offensive line that's been completely rebuilt and is still in the process of rebuilding. We get all of that. But at some point, we have to see something inherent from the guy that makes you say, this is the guy we really want to invest in. Because, you know, this is coming up on year three. And after year three comes year four. And that's you have to make the decision about the option for the fourth year. And that's like the first step in really making that commitment to him that, you know, again, we're not looking at this as Hall of Famer or bust. I mean, that's not fair to anybody in this league to put that as your standard for is the guy, you know, do we want to keep him or not or anything is, is a guy going to be Hall of Famer? The question is going to be, is this guy first a reliable starter in this league, a functional, capable starter in this league? And right now, I think the jury's kind of out. And again, we went through the whole litany of why they say the jury is out, but he, you know, for all those things put aside, he hasn't really shown that you can put it in pen that he is yet. Just no, what we've just, seen on just the field. Flashes. flashes, but they're more the exceptions to the rules. And I think this year, you know, barring, you know, any craziness, should be he should be optimally primed to be prepared for a season. He'll be in the second year of a system. He'll have a full off season. You know, he'll offensive line, you know, we think probably four fifths of it will be the same as it is going into next year. So they'll have some of that cohesion that they had last year. Uh, you know, second year of the same offensive coordinator. All of these things that we need to start seeing things next year from him. And, you know, the, well, he's young. And, like, even what you said about getting a backup quarterback that he needs a veteran guy to help him, it's like, all right, well, he's starting to get up there now. In year, it'll be his third year. It's like training wheels kind of need to be taken off, and he has to play. So 
Well, I'm not ready to say you know he's a bust by any means. I'm not ready to say he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's just I need him to like if you're having your kid with the training wheels take him off and you take your hands off his back and he's riding his bike by himself. That's this year, and I want to see him riding down the street and not just falling in the ditch. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, um, and I think you know not to not to be a dead horse. But, you know, I think that would have been more last year if the offseason had been a little bit less chaotic. Not even a little bit. If it had been normal, I think we could have been more critical of Daniel Jones. And I think we would have seen a better product out of him, out of the entire offense, than what we did. Um, but, you know, that didn't happen. So everything's a little bit off by, uh, by about a year, maybe half a year, something like that. But you're right. What I mean by that is that if Daniel Jones you – know, Daniel Jones now has missed games in both years he's been active – due to injury. And I would rather have a veteran presence come in than a young guy to fill in for a young guy. And I'd also rather have a veteran presence in the quarterback room with him. You know, we've made jokes, you know, and, and, and honest some, some honest complaints about Alex Tanney's presence on the roster for years. The moment he retires, he immediately becomes an offensive coach. You know, there there is something to be said for what his value was in the quarterback room to more than one coach. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, Colt McCoy, I think, is a- another guy who's been in the league a long time. He was a smart quarterback coming out of college. You know, what he did on the field when he filled in is a little bit irrelevant. It's just the fact that you have a guy who's not going to be gun shy when he walks in. So, you know, when you have an Eli Manning on the roster who is making whatever amount of money per year and he needs to sit out you know you back up an Eli Manning who's been in the league for several years uh, he's your franchise quarterback you back him up with a young guy that maybe you can groom a little bit maybe he can, he'll have some trade value or maybe Eli Manning retires and he'll eventually be but that's an Eli Manning what you do with a Daniel Jones is you get him the opposite a guy who once was or could have been a, a David Carr like we had for Eli Manning and, and things of that nature. Uh, so for that, I'm looking around free agency and I'm ignoring, first of all, Trevor Lawrence is completely out of the question for us and where we're drafting at 11. So is Zach Wilson. I would even say Justin Fields and I would even say Trey Lance. Probably also Mac Jones, maybe. Uh, so right there, you're taking the top right off the quarterback group anyway. So Hey, you missed somebody. I'm not sure I'm putting <laughs> Kyle Trask in there yet. I'm not even sure that Mac Jones is above Kyle Trask, if I'm being completely honest. That's um, fair. That's very fair. I don't and, and I don't even think Trey Lance may be in front of Kyle Trask. I'm not I, totally I was, sure. I, I was kind of saying that a little tongue-in-cheek. You know, watching almost every snap he's thrown, I don't think he's uh, – I don't think he's got the NFL footwork. Uh, he – he is in the benefit of having a really good offense, a really good uh, coaching scheme, really good weapons around him. But um, if you watch his fundamentals, like if you watch his footwork and his balance, something about him is like that's not an NFL quarterback. Um, but since we're talking about this theme about backups, I can, you know the guy was a backup for his first three years at Florida. Like he, he was, also he, did he even play in in high school? No, he did exactly. not even play in high school. He was a backup in high school. They this the, the the high school he played in 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 Texas ran a true spread. In fact, like the quarterback at Miami 
was the quarterback who started ahead of him right now. So, you know, he was kind of groomed really to be a backup. And I think his thought was like he would be eventually be a coach. And this is the way to be a, a coach is learning this way. So, you know, would I draft him in the second and third round I, I, to be a backup? I Giants have too many holes for that. Mm-hmm. But if he was to fall, you know, someone to think about. I, I think someone's going to take a flyer arm because, you know, while the footwork isn't that great, the arm might be an eight as opposed to an NFL 10. He makes pretty deadly accurate and he's very smart and he, you know, he does a good job with his second and third reads. So he's what you would want in a, in a, in a backup quarterback. But I think somebody's going to reach in and take him early before he's available, before we're comfortable taking him with all the other needs that we have. I would agree with that. Um, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, but I, so I think that the giant solutions to backup quarterback is going to be in the free agent field. And I'm going to throw three names at you and then I'm going to give you my ideal choice. Okay. So some guys to think about Matt Barkley, uh, you know, first of all, none of these names are really going to inspire. Just keep that in mind. I mean, the same they're way called that, backups. Yeah. Colt McCoy is not a name that's going to inspire either. And, and the Giants, quite frankly, don't want a guy like, like 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick who may actually usurp Daniel Jones and screw up any development or, you know, maybe somebody who's not – who may be a better player but may not be a better um, veteran presence like – Griffin or Jameis Winston or something like that. Um, uh, and by, by Griffin, I mean Robert Griffin. I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, so so Matt Barkley is a guy that I think can do a little bit of the running that we have Daniel Jones do in the offense. I think he can make a lot of the intermediate throws. He's always been an arm strength problem kind of guy. But smart guy, you know, was a – was he a first-round pick? I believe Actually, he was. No. Yeah. Um but the thing is also you want to bring in a guy – this is psychological too. Mm. You don't want to bring in a guy where there's any thought that could someday challenge for the starting job. Correct. I mean we're not – we are not there yet with the decision-making uh, with, with, with Jones, with Daniel Jones. If you know, if this was year four and jury's still out you know, and you bring in a guy like Jameis Winston, you're bringing Jameis Winston in not – Necessarily because he's a good backup, he can come in if you need someone to play for a series or a play or for a month. But you're bringing him in with the intention that he could compete and he could, you know, take over if you know the Jones experiment fails. And we're—I don't think we're there yet. I don't think you want to send a, yes. a a signal to him. So that's why someone like even an RG three guys who have played in this league and who have started in this league. I don't think you even want to touch that right now because, again, what we're looking for is a guy who can sort of mentor but also be ready when his when his time is called but not have any false delusions about, well, I can – you know, I could – if I just compete, I'm able to start. Mm-hmm. So does that take Andy Dalton off the table for you because he was another name I had in mind? Andy Dalton right now thinks he's a starting quarterback, and Andy Dalton used that doubt. That was the best-case scenario for Andy Dalton last year was to latch on with Dallas, and when the injuries happened, he was able to go in and play and show he can still play in this league. He is He's kind of like that head coach that gets fired and becomes a defensive coordinator 
or an offensive coordinator and you know use Jason Garrett in an example. He thinks he's a head coach. Andy Dalton thinks he's a starting quarterback. Guys like Matt Barkley have been haven't been starters for so long. You know, they know their role in this league and they want to be, you know, they want to spend the next five or six years getting a nice paycheck being that guy. Right. Okay. Nothing more, nothing less. So he was he was another guy on my list. Here another name I had uh written down because I thought it was interesting. And remember, they're not gonna go real flashy here, I don't think. I would be pretty surprised if they did, but CJ Bethard. Um another guy, he's been around a little while, he's almost thirty. Um He's always been a backup. He's and beat the Giants. Frankly, yeah, when he's filled <laughs> oh, in, that he, has, he was not brutal. He's not good, but you know he's been around a while. It's just a name to keep in mind. I don't think they're going to go that way. Remember what we're asking for here, guys. You know, we're not looking for someone who could be a starter, and it's like, you know, we don't need that. We need someone who, again, can sort of mentor, can play in a pinch, can be prepared, can be smart in practice. Can challenge a, you know, a, a a defense in practice by making throws, things like that. That's what's important. And here, here's my ideal choice for the backup quarterback. He's 32. He's done this a while now. He's been backups. He's been the starter before rookie draft picks and lost his job to rookie draft picks. He's consistently been the, you know, air quotes veteran in the quarterback room. Um, he can run. He can make throws. I'm pretty sure at this point he knows his role and he's a very good leader and his name is Terod Taylor. To me, that is what they want ideally as a backup quarterback for two years. How do we feel about Terod Taylor? Uh, does he play the style of offense that's very similar to what Daniel Jones does? I mean, he can. He can run. He can throw. Um, I don't see why he, he couldn't. I, I think I think that's a that's a good match right there. Okay, um, I felt I felt like for some reason he was a little a different style, more so than with Daniel Jones. I, I like to find somebody who's very similar to him, so mm-hmm. you know you're not having differences yeah, yeah. in practice time. Or if you had to bring him in, he can come right in and just do the job. Yeah, and I, I think that's something he can do. And and quite frankly, his salary last year was you know five and a half million dollars. That's a little high. It's about in range of what you put for a backup quarterback. I mean, remember last year, that essentially that is double what we paid Colt McCoy last year. Um, but it's it's in range, you know. They went a little cheap last year. They had a little less room last year, quite frankly. So um, that to me, if we're gonna if we're gonna get a backup quarterback for Daniel Jones, it should be a for more than just one year, in my opinion. You're gonna want someone that's. Uh, going to be there next year just someone that you can build a little bit of relationship with someone who's been the mentor before which he has multiple times what with justin herbert and uh baker mayfield and then somebody in buffalo too yeah i don't remember i don't remember who the i don't think josh allen was the quarterback yet but whatever doesn't matter but he's he's been the mentor multiple times i think he understands his role i think he knew that when he went to the chargers what he was going to do and what he was going to be and i think he would understand that again if he came to the giants so that's my well, ideal pick well he was i know that you know they, they obviously just drafted justin herbert but 
he was the starter last year before that whole thing with the rib and the the, the puncture and all that. But that's always been his story. He was the starter before May, Mayfield too. But there's never been any doubt that Mayfield was the guy. Yeah. I mean, you don't draft the guy number one overall and say oh, Terod oh, Taylor oh, is going to be. Oh, the, I know that. Yeah. I know that. But I'm wondering if you know he feels in the back of his mind he got screwed out of a because if he would have played well, you know, and let's say you know played out of his mind you don't he's not getting benched until he's not playing well anymore yeah that's true and you know you may you may feel like you know it didn't play out naturally like un, un, you know, he kind of got wally pipped a little bit by not playing anymore because he got hurt i guess in I guess his mind that the, may not be what the team thought or the league thought or anybody thought but he may feel that way sure um but I, I, I guess I would ask this just to the universe. Is there a team out there that wants to sign Terod Taylor to be their starting quarterback and to win games? Probably not. And again, like I said, I think the whole universe knew the situation, but well, he I mean, made, I, that was an honest question. That wasn't – I wasn't trying to – I would to, say no. Yeah. Not at this point, no. Um, yeah, I would agree because, I, I mean, you're thinking about the teams around the league that don't have their themselves set at quarterback and – you look at what, like New England. Um, I don't think really uh, New Orleans, maybe. Right? I don't know. Did Drew Brees officially announce retirement? I don't think he has yet. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's just been hinted at very, very, very strongly. It, it might be something when he does. It might be, you know, he might time it to kind of help them with the cap or something. Is that possible? Does that matter? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's very possible. Yes. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that would be like post June. But I think if you retire, it just it all goes. But you walk away from the money. You're breaking the contract. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that his retirement would change anything in any way that way. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was asking. But yeah, um, I I think to me, Terod Taylor is a perfect situation. I don't think that it's it's a huge problem if they go something like C.J. Beathard or Matt Barkley or maybe something that I'm not thinking of here. You know, I, I didn't want to touch the Geno Smith thing uh, or Brian Hoyer. Oh God, maybe Brian <laughs> Hoyer, um, but I'm not even sure what he's able to do. You know, after two ACLs and 36 years old. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious if anyone else has any other ideas. But to me, that was the ideal. I, I think that the, the point of this exercise is don't get your hopes up looking sure. for the second coming. It's not it's not happening. We need something serviceable. Um, and then we'll flip to the other side of the ball. We'll we'll switch over to safeties. Now, the current Giants safety situation is not at all dire, and you might wonder why we'd even be doing this one. But it's not not dire because remember we are rebuilding which means you are always looking a couple first of all you're always looking a couple years ahead when you're when you run an NFL team that's that goes without a question but when you're rebuilding you really have to look ahead and you have to account for all situations so the giants have Jabril Peppers who is signed through 2021 so the end of this year they exercised his fifth year option um last year or whatever and um he is sure. Sure seems like he's been around longer in the league than this, doesn't he? <laughs> well, he was a big name in college, you know. Oh, yeah. But it just seems like that was longer ago than, you know, four years ago. Yeah. It, it do, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. He's making $6.7 million. So, again, they're getting him probably at a bargain. Uh, they, they drafted Xavier McKinney last year. Very promising 
Very good pick, second round. Um, his production, completely in the air. I wouldn't even bother looking at the stats or even much of the film that we saw from him because it was so short and he missed so much of the year due to a broken foot. But you can still say that Xavier McKinney signed through 2023. He's on a cheap deal. He's only making $2 million next year. Um, he's got the stuff. You believe that the film that you saw coming out of Alabama, that he is a part of this defense, a part of the secondary for the next couple of years, period, right? Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, beyond that, Julian Love is signed through 2022. He's filled in pretty well, you know, in, in, in spots, you know, with um, McKinney out and with Jabril Peppers was out, uh, not last year, but the year before for a couple games. He played pretty well. Uh, he's asserted himself as a very good depth person and as an average starter, you know. But again, also, this is a guy who's transitioning from corner to safety, so this isn't an exact thing. We wouldn't expect him to just suddenly be spectacular at safety. But again, he's signed through 2022. He's a good depth guy. He's okay, and only a million dollars. And then you can kind of throw Logan Ryan in there a little bit because he's really, at this point, just a DB. Um, he's not really yeah. going to be an outside corner, but he can play a lot in a lot of those zone things. And the, their pseudo line of scrimmage, their pseudo strong safety, box safety, you know, they'll move him into free safety at sometimes and sometimes a nickel corner. It doesn't matter. He's just going to play kind of – so you can kind of throw that in there. He was extended through 2023. So the odd man out here is that Jabril Peppers is only here for a year and the Giants have to decide if they're going to re-sign him or not. You know, as much as I love the guy and – you know, I think he's he's a great player, and that they would want to keep him. Keep him. I'm not sure that it's going to be financially feasible for them, and that he's going to be a financial priority at the end of the year. So they need to start thinking ahead, and that's why we need to do this now. Before we get into, uh, you know, Jabril Peppers, there's one more thing I want to bring up, and this is the beauty of of drafting Xavier McKinney because he was a versatile safety. So it gives the Giants some flexibility here. If Jabril Peppers, if they if they part ways here, McKinney can move into Jabril Peppers' spot as kind of that strong safety, box safety type, or they can keep him at the free safety type and draft somebody or pull in a free agent to play that box safety type. So that's kind of the genius of, of taking a guy like Xavier McKinney and, and the flexibility it offers them in, in um, how they want to continue to shape this roster. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, you're right. I think, you know, you, Giants are in a hard position right now because you're trying to rebuild almost twice. You're trying to rebuild right now, but you're also trying to think about what's going on two years from now, too. So that's a difficult position to be in. And um, I don't know what you – I think you have to worry about now first. And I think is you know, what – this is going to be an important year of evaluation for them to say what what if he's fitting their long term plans or not. I mean, I, I want to touch on this really quickly. I don't want to go into sports radio hot take world, but really briefly, you know, he was the biggest piece in the trade for Odell Beckham. And when you're trying to evaluate who quote unquote won the trade, you know, my definition for the winning the trade is who got in return that makes the biggest impact on you to be better than you were before the trade. And, you know, I think, you know, because of Beckham's, you know, injuries and, and different things that I, I think the giants have, 
have quote unquote won this trade because of him. I think, you know, this secondary was on the verge of being a complete disaster. It didn't perform well in 2019. We had the crazy offseason. We had opt-outs. We had guys get thrown off the team that we we spent a lot of draft capital on. And, you know, him along with guys like Bradbury really and and, um, Logan Ryan really saved this defense from being a complete shit show. Um, Now that you'll have a a full real offseason to work with this coaching staff, a second year, feel more comfortable again being there. It's a it's one of the biggest decisions the Giants are gonna have to make in the you know in the next offseason. Uh, I don't know which way they're gonna go. I mean, it depends on. Also, I think what do you think he can get? What do you think he can get in the open market? I mean, do you think he's a guy that could get, you know, money that if you like franchise tag money worth out there, or you know, who knows? What, what do you think? I think. Uh, yeah, I think he might. So when you. The only thing that's going to work against him, really, is that the 2022 free agent group involves Jamal Adams. (laughs) Um, And uh, I'm sure, as uh, Schlereth would like to tell me, he he could do a a whole hour-long podcast about how great Jamal Adams is. Um, But, you know, Jamal Adams, he's kind of saved by there's a bunch of safeties like Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick that are going to be on their, their option year. They're all going to be tagged with that but you know I I do think so you know I think that um, it's just the nature of the uh, position huh yeah it's just the nature of um, I think you have to keep in mind that there's going to be probably a rubber band effect with the cap I would expect that if if this year goes the way we all hope and there's lots of you know uh, attendance and things like that that there's going to be a massive amount of fan interest and uh, an influx of money in that way uh, that will cause the cap to continue to expand I think that um, well we saw there was a report today that uh, the NFL wants all the media partners to basically pay double what they're paying now mm-hmm. yeah and you know, they're, they're gearing up to, to not let this uh, this year bring them down too far again remember there's the 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 week 18 17th game of the year is uh already signed off on by the union it's just a matter of getting the media contracts together so you know that's more money right there uh that's going to be pumped into inflating the cap and and that's going to continue to rise i think so yeah, I mean all that you know, and, and of course you you've got guys like Teran Matthew is is going to be a, a free agent at that time. Harrison Smith again, you know, both of those guys are a little bit up there in age. Devin McCourty, but if they want to keep playing, they're going to keep getting big bucks because they haven't gone down in production much at all. Micah Hyde, Jamal Adams, Jabril Peppers fits right in there with those names. Uh, you know, and I think that'll that'll help. You know, I don't know. I I think that he's going to command. Bigger money than this team is going to be able to pony up, really, because they are still going to be adding necessary pieces at the end of this year in the next offseason. They are, they are going to be competitive, I think. If they nail this offseason, they'll be competitive, but they won't be Super Bowl ready by 2021. Right. Which means that there will be financial decisions to be made. Um, it's, it's been a problem with this team that, as we say, you know, last week that 
they didn't go in with two feet for the rebuild until you know they they kind of dragged their feet a little bit. And now these guys that would be cornerstones, right? Now they have to pay. Exactly. It's like you want to get like one or two years of under market value with them as you're really competing, and then you worry about it later about replacing. But now, you know these guys who've been around like for three or four years, like the defensive lineman, a guy like uh, Peppers. The time the, the the clock is running out on them for those cheap deals, and if you're not, you know, this close to be really really competing for a Super Bowl, it's almost like you wasted your time. And I'm gonna do some quick math because I think, you know, the the way out of this might be a franchise tag for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be in the works. Let's see. So if if I if I did this right, then the franchise tag for 2022 at the safety position, barring obviously any extensions that would factor into this, I think would put him at around uh, a one-year salary of 13.79 million, which may be enough, you know, given the cap expansion that they would want to do that. And you know, I guess they they would also make that decision obviously based on how close they think they are at the end of the 2021 season. If they if they, you know, if they go 10 and 6 and feel like, you know, one more influx of talent and we can really compete for a Super Bowl, then they'll probably find a way to pony up for that, but you know, who knows. Um, nevertheless, they do need to kind of think about what they're going to do about Jabril Peppers starting spot after this year. Um well, I'm not really sure a free agent is going to be the way to go for that. Well, let's think about this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as you know, we we obviously are thinking you know, long-term chess pieces of how we continue this, you know, upward mobility. But you know, next year is still a year. You know, we have to deal with it. And you know, as as much as this defense in the secondary overachieved, it still could use some more depth for sure. So, what do we do? Well, you know, that's interesting. So I I would say that they are in a good spot at the safety position. I think you have I think you have uh, a good starter in Peppers. I think you have a promising starter in McKinney. I, I hesitate to say good based on the fact that he barely played last year. But I would have been comfortable with McKinney probably starting week one this year anyway. Um, I felt like that was kind of the plan, I think, right? Because if I remember – when we did our initial podcast after the draft, you were really excited. I mean, I, you know, I, I had high hopes for him. I thought that he jumped right off the film to me. He looked great. Um, but it, it, it's hard to say what was and wasn't the plan with Joe Judge. You know, we didn't know him very well. Uh, and we go into training camp and he treats everyone equally. He's making the coaches run laps and shit. You know, once, once I got a feel for how training camp was going, uh, I wasn't really sure anybody had a starting spot handed to them or, or given to them. I would have expected him to win it, but um, who knows, you know? So it, it, well, it became a little I bit meant. more I ambiguous. Mean, I don't think we're going to annoy him on day one of training camp as being the starter, but I think we we both kind of game-planned it out that he would eventually be starting pretty quickly. Correct. That he'd be the, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, So I think that they're, they're in a good spot with starters. I think J- Julian Love is a good you know, guy to pop in there, and I think Logan Ryan can move in there is pretty good too. But you're right, there is a depth issue there. I mean, when you really only have one true backup, because you're, you're paying Logan Ryan to be a starter somewhere. You're not paying him to fill in for someone else's role right now. Um, and they just gave him that extension, so they're serious about, you know, his role on the team. 
So, yeah, I would say that they do need somebody to be a depth guy. Now, see, this is kind of the beauty. You know, this isn't the position that you would say you need to go out there and draft the best safety or or sign a free agent because this is a problem. You don't need to do that. Um, mm. We're okay. So if we miss out on who I am tentatively going to say is the best draftable safety right now and uh, Trevin Merrig out of TCU, that's fine. That's okay. But is there a guy in this draft that I think is maybe not ready to be a starter this year and can be had on day two, maybe even early day three, um, that can eventually earn a starting role and be a good starter? I think there is a couple guys in there. Um, And... You know, you can kind of feel that out. Now, when I say shit like this, I'm not saying the Giants need to target these guys. That's not really how that a. That's not how I view the draft, and I don't think that's how most professionals view the draft. I think these guys write down names and they put them in categories, and they they get know, the best guy that's they, still left in the yeah, category. Yeah, exactly. You kind of look at things in boxes by days, and you you give guys grade, and you're like, you know, I know we don't really need. Uh, an edge rusher right now, but Jason Pierre-Paul does not belong on this list anymore. Like he should be gone by now. We are a better team with assets. This guy. Assets are more important than need. Remember that. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> yeah. At worst, you have a guy that has no place, and you can trade him for more assets, or a guy that you do need. Um, you know, I, I just think that sometimes fans hear a lot of these stories about coaches and GMs falling in love with players or pounding the table for this player, trading up for that player because it's it's headline worthy and it's attention grabbing and and you know it, it's you know um, um, exciting. What's the word? Sensational. You know, these are all the stories that jump out. Well, of it builds an narrative. It builds narrative, and that's what. And then reporters take and run with that. But but and all these things happen. But they are. Stories because they are so far from the norm. And I think that the norm is to, you know, keep an eye on guys that look good. You know, maybe we don't need a safety this year, and it may be perfectly fine for us to ignore it entirely until, you know, the week before training camp and then sign some guy off the scrap heap. And, you know, he's been in the league for a while. Nobody knows his name, but he can pop in there and he won't screw up. We'll have depth, be okay. He won't be in the wrong place at the wrong time and cause, you know, whatever. You, you get what I'm saying. But should one of these guys fall way beyond where their worth is, you can take a shot on them and you can you can do that. So you may not be addre- you may not be addressing an immediate need, but then again, let's talk about it. if we're looking at like the third round, for example, and somebody drops, if you're really expecting someone from the third round to immediately fill a hole that you have that's a pressing need, you got bigger problems than uh, than you think you do. Right, or you got yourself a steal and you know it. Right, um, right. Yeah, you know when we. But I'm we, saying like a, like oh we need a wide receiver and you're worrying about the third round of you know a, a safety fell to the three that you really really you know had valued much higher on your board. You know that receiver at three it can wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mentioned already Trevon Merrick to me is is the number one safety in this class I think um, he looks really good uh, he flies all over the field if you want to watch great tape on a, on a safety watch uh, TCU safety Trayvon Merrick it's spelled really weird um, 
but we're not we're not eyeing guys like Grant Telpit, you know, in the in the bottom of the first round or the middle of the first round, and you know, early second round even. You know, even if even if Merrick falls to the second round, no, that's okay. Um, you know, we did that with McKinney. That was a different story last year. I think we're set this year. We don't have to worry about that so much. But guys that I do want to take a look at are like Richie Grant from UCF. Not hearing a whole lot about Richie Grant. So, you know, I watched a bunch of film on him. And, you know, UCF is, is your second favorite school, right? It stands for uh, the University of Commuters of Florida or something like that, right? <laughs> I have no second favorite school. I hate them all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Richie Grant, they have, over the last couple of years, developed a number of pretty good DBs. You know, Mike Hughes stands among them. Um, you know, and, and the the, uh, oh my God, the Griffin twins. Uh, both, both uh, one's a linebacker, but whatever. Um, Richie Grant is, I, I love this dude. You know, he doesn't stand out. He's not going to be that all-over-the-field Jamal Adams, single-high safety, also in the box and making a tackle every play and making, you know, the the Fox D-team cream their pants throughout an entire broadcast. But he's just always around the damn ball. Um, he, he's great in zone coverage. That's where they use him the most. He's aggressive. He and he's, he's a willing tackler. He's a sound tackler. He can have some struggles with being a little over-aggressive, which is one of the reasons why he might fall a little bit. Um, but he's a guy that can be developed out of those tendencies. He can be a little bit more patient. He can see the game a little bit better. But one of the hardest things for a safety to do is to be able to, and, and this goes the same for linebackers, is quick diagnosis of a play. They need to know what the fuck this play is is happening immediately and react to it. Um He's got that trait. And it's something that I don't think is very teachable at this level anymore. I mean, read and react is just kind of, it is. You know, you've you've either developed that trait or, you know, you're really, really raw to the game if if you can still develop it, in my opinion. And I think Richie Grant has that. So that's somebody that I would keep an eye on for, I don't know, I don't know about round three, but, he, you know, maybe... But definitely, if he falls to day three for some reason, that that fourth round pick, they got to be thinking about Richie Grant, in my opinion. Um, a lot of names on here that I, I I'm not going to go through all of the players and what I thought of them and all that stuff. I will save that for Twitter and uh, potentially YouTube and, and stuff like that. But um, you know, Paris Ford from Pitt is another guy that I really really liked. Um, but I don't like him as much as I think other people liked him. Andre Cisco from Syracuse, another guy that I liked a lot. You know, he also had an ACL tear that ended the season early. I'm a little ho hum on that. Um, what did you think? <clears throat> what did you think of Sean Davis from Florida? Because this is another guy we're we're looking at day three right now. We're not looking at Grant Delpit. Um, so Sean Davis to me is probably probably a day three guy but you've watched a lot more Sean Davis than I have yeah I, yeah, I like Sean Davis um, he's a bit of an overachiever you know he came in he was uh, he wasn't a five-star guy at all um, he's smart he has some issues he's been suspended just you know, every year in college you see a guy who gets suspended for the first game or first two games and they say violation of team rules 
most likely it's weed or something similar to that. So he's been suspended before. He got um, he got thrown out of a game earlier this year against Old Miss for a targeting call, which was pretty weak, in my opinion. Um, but you know, I he's a smart guy. He's kind of a leader on there. And again, I think the only question would be, you know, some of that, you know look into some background of what happened like for the suspensions and things, but I don't think it's that major of a deal. Uh, the, the secondary last year for Florida was atrocious. Uh, the whole defense was really atrocious. They really suffered a combination of you know, COVID no off season and not really burning a scheme that works with the personnel that they have. And guys are just simply underperformed. Um, but when he was on the field, the secondary was relatively better. Um, I mean, I think he's probably a, a day three guy for sure. But again, not much was expected of him when he was recruited by us. And, uh, you know, he became a starter and he played quite a bit in his career. Um, solid guy. Yeah. And, and you know, solid might be what we're looking for. Um, he's a senior, right? Yes. Um, so this, this isn't a guy that's, uh, going to develop a little bit more or anything like that. Uh, I, I hate to say it. They're all going to develop more guys that are juniors though. I, I expect a year of being a little bit lost out there unless they're the, um, the, the first round guys. When I see a day two, day three guy, that's a junior, um, I think that there's a little bit of growth that's available there. I mean, even physically, when you think about it, they're, they're only like 21. So there's there's weight to be gained. There's strength to be gained. Um, but, you know, yeah. he's a senior. Remember, too, when you're evaluating this year, it's really very difficult because everybody lost an offseason of, you know, getting in the gym and really – because we have a very good strength and conditioning program. We have a guy, Nick Savage, who's a complete beast. And you can see before and after pictures of guys that were undersized and got chiseled. You can see guys at 70 pounds too much weight and became chiseled. Um, but when you don't go through that, you know, you're, people are playing on instinct. And they're, you know, they didn't get a chance to be with their position coaches and their coordinators and their head coaches and all the support staff in this past year. So you know, tape is difficult What you're looking at the most recent tape. Um, and then unfortunately there's no combine this year. So these pro days are going to be very important. Um, but this is a guy that, like I said, overachieved on what was expected from when he was part of the original recruiting class. Did you say that works against him? Overachieving? Yeah. No, no. I think it's something okay. that, uh, no, I think that's where there's value in it because I think when, you know, you especially with this year, you don't have as much tape to look at and you can't really see the the physical improvement year over year because it wasn't natural like the, nor, the normal cycle would be. I think you want a track record of guys doing better than they were expected to do. OK. Yeah. Just just making sure. I, yeah. I yeah. yeah. Um, a couple other guys that I, I would tell people to look out for as day three guys to think about. Um, Ardarius Washington is the other safety at TCU. He's going to get a huge knock because he's really, really, really undersized. But if you cut that out of it, he's very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but at five eight, it's hard to ignore. 
you know, there are very few Earl Thomases out there. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it's somebody to consider, and it depends on where he falls. I would also say Joshua Bledsoe from Missouri is another guy to think about as a guy that won't play for a whole year and gets to sit back and earn a, a starting spot. Remember, when you draft a guy like this, and he's going to be depth for 2021 with a chance to be the starter in 2022, he doesn't have to. You're not handing him that spot. He can continue to be solid depth. You can reassess the safety position and, as it comes. And let's remember what we're, again, you know, you're drafting for talent, but also we're in a position, you know, safety, as you mentioned before, that's not in desperate need of we need two starters right now because, you know, we have the luxury if we find the value guy that we need that we can bring him in the right way. And, you know, that would that would be ideal. Right. And, and again, I, I'm going to harp on this just a little bit. The flexibility of Xavier McKinney, whom you assume is going to be the bedrock of your safety group, right? You know, for the future beyond Jabril Peppers, his ability to switch between that box safety role or that free safety role, or just stay as a versatile, you know, chess piece, um, allows you to have the freedom to pick whomever to put aside him. You know, if you happen across a really, really good free safety, you are not overstepping your but you're not you're not doubling up on the same thing by acquiring that guy the same way that if you find the best in the box safety and he just happens to fall to you you're still not doubling up on what he's already doing so they're in an okay spot here to do whatever and a safety may be in play in this draft i would say it's probably not going to be in uh in free agency i would be very very shocked if it but but, but in the draft you know, for 2022 and, you know, maybe just for depth for 2022, but definitely for depth this year and a potential for a starting spot in 2022, a safety's in play and it can be any kind of safety. <laughs> so this is um, a spot that should not be ignored. And again, that I think a lot of Giants fans ignore because we as fans like to do mock drafts and it's important that we get, we, we fill every position of need in one draft and that's just simply not how you attack an offseason. You combine it with free agency and sometimes you you know, you put a bunch of duct tape over a position instead of actually fixing it because guys you get in day three are probably not going to be your solid contributors. They're just not. So just keep that in mind that when you're drafting, you're drafting for the projected future and sometimes you're drafting for depth. You're not drafting for starters through all seven rounds. That's just not how it goes. So keep that in mind, Giants fans. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a nice start. You know, we covered, you know, we'll do this going forward each week. We'll pick one side, one position from each side of the ball each week. So that way we're not just going through a month and a half of offense and then defense. This way we'll kind of mix it up and, uh, you know, keep keep your interest peaked with our little um, – state of the uh, position analysis. That's correct. And um, throughout the course of the week, I will be uploading little tidbits to my Twitter. Um, Just my notes on these prospects. I'm not by any means a professional. I just watch a lot. So I've (laughs) messed up a lot. He's got no life. So that's what he does. (laughs) Cool. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, essentially, um, 
I've, I've seen a lot of stuff, so I've picked up some things here or there. Uh, people out there might be smarter than me. I might have noticed something that you have not, or vice versa. So it's a good way to talk a little bit. I know this is a popular off-season thing on Twitter and basically all over the internet. So uh, follow me at football underscore grump for my full notes on these two positions. Follow me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan where, you know, as usual, lots to say about lots of things. We have uh, Tampa Bay lightning hockey. We have New York Knicks basketball. Exciting. You know, another nice thing we talked about how the giants will start, Allowing, I think, 10% or 15% of people at the Meadowlands. Well, starting tomorrow on Tuesday, the Knicks will finally have people at the Garden. So I'll be one of 2,000 people to see the Knicks and the Warriors. Big uh, intra-family rivalry game. So that'll be exciting. So I'll be tweeting about that. And spring training's around the corner. So catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. And um, keep listening to those other podcasts those other giant podcasts are out there we don't want to say anything just yet but if you tune into one of the most popular ones you may not recognize the name but you'll recognize the voice that's that's all i'll say for right now that's right and we don't know when or if that's dropping right we don't know we do know that would be uh dropping this friday so check oh cool so if you're following this little humble show i'm sure you're following the other show which i won't say what can't say what it is just yet but if you listen and you know what their theme has been get a load of get a load of the voice who's answering the questions (laughs) and um But with that, we will see you all next week with two new position groups that we'll go over and, of course, any new news that comes out. Uh, This is the the time when things start amping up and ramping up. You know, it it may seem boring, but but, um, this is when news starts coming out. It starts a little scattershot at first and starts picking up fast. Well, you got to get your ducks in a row right now. So that's kind of why it's good to kind of be – have that base because everybody's so quick to jump on. Well, you know, people love to talk about – you know, prospects and this and that, but it's like, if you don't know what you really need and what, what potentially might be looking for, you're wasting your time. You know, hopefully, you know, you listen to our show, you listen to all the other shows and, you know, you'll get a pretty good sense of what we're looking for and, you know, what a realistic thing. So that way you're not heartbroken when you, you know, looking for a backup quarterback and Trevor Lawrence isn't there in the sixth round. Yeah, (laughs) correct. All right, everyone, we will see you next time. Go Giants. Go Giants.